to go. I come down next week. No. I didn't just see you. Have lunch in Poland. Oh, we can see each other. We can have dinner, but respectably. In my house, with my mother's picture on the mantel, my sister helping me to broil a steak for three. Yeah, I'd kind of like to meet your sister. She, um, she look anything like you? Sam. Huh? <laughs> All right. Marion, whenever possible, I want to see you. Under any conditions, even uh, respectability. You make respectability sound so disrespectful. No, I'm all for it. Look, a couple of years I'll have my father's debts paid off at the store. And I uh, told you, alimony stops soon as she gets married again. Um, I haven't even been married once yet. Yeah, but when you do, you'll swing. <laughs> so let's get married. You really want to live in the back room of the hardware store in Fairville? Eat beans out of a can with me? Ooh. Yeah, that'd be a lot of laughs. Tell you what, when I send my ex-wife her money... You can lick the stamps. I'll lick the stamps. Hey, Marion, you want to cut this off? Go out and find yourself someone who's uh, available? I'm thinking of it. Don't you go break my heart now. <laughs> Don't miss your plane. Hey, wait. We can leave together, can't we? I'm late. I mean, you have to put your shoes on. All right. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Late night recording on this one. Uh, yeah, it is. It's late night recording. It's very hot in the city. It's a hot night in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And we've got a fun movie for you. We do. Everybody out there listening, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, Pete. Yes. We've had kind of a Tell busy me. week. We've done, been doing some traveling. Yes, indeed. And I had a hole in our schedule yeah. that I didn't know what movie we were going to do. And uh, a friend of ours, patron of the podcast, Robert Franson Muffy, noticed a few weeks ago when I posted that we were watching Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Because I think that we've had numerous uh, tangents on our show that we've talked about our love for that movie. Absolutely. So definitely, we've definitely talked about our love for this movie several times. Uh, It's it's a good movie. So yeah, needless (laughs) to say, uh, Muffy requested Psycho, and he has kind of a a funny little story about this movie that he gave as an antidote. So we watched uh, and. Antidote, sorry, it's late. I had a long day at work. I closed the box. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, so yeah, we watched Gus Van Sant's Psycho, the notorious Psycho remake. Yes, indeed. Released December 4th, 1998, produced by Brian Grazer. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Imagine Films. It's an Imagine yep. movie. So, Brian so, Grazer. Uh, we call him Muffy. I'm going to refer to him as Muffy, our patron. He's, he uh, wrote to us, this movie opened on my 15th birthday and I forced my family to see it. I remember the theater was totally empty opening day. A few years later, I met Gus Van Sant at Sundance in wow. 2001 and told him that I was a fan and I don't think he thought I was serious. Robert <laughs> mentions he remembers in his entourage were two of the Hanson brothers. Yes, as in Mbop. Two of the Hanson brothers were following around Gus Van Sant at the 2001 Sundance. 
That's weird. Interesting. Okay. He said he meant it as a compliment, but he imagines at the time, uh, Gus, didn't t- Gus was kind of coming off of the fall of this movie and really didn't believe it. Right. I can, yeah, I can see that because there was there was some some fallout from this movie, as would be expected with, I mean, with any remake in general. But yeah. this is a little different than your standard remake. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I am here to tell you, forget what you heard. This movie, um, it accomplishes, I think, what the filmmakers set out to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and they did it in a, I mean, if you're going to do it, they got the right people because it's just, it's quirky. It's weird. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense, but it just adds to the, I don't know, the like mythology of the craziness of a, of psycho. Like I feel like psycho might be my favorite movie like of all time. And this version is just adds to that like to that legendary status of it and it's just i mean so you know some people just say right off the bat remake i'm not i'm out sure right which is yeah. like whatever fine don't watch it who cares it's kind fine. of a basic statement that's sometimes correct but i mean sometimes remakes can be like fun to watch all i'm saying is this version of Psycho exists, and your black and white version didn't disintegrate and turn to dust when this movie came out. It's still there. So this Our movie, Blu-ray is still on the rack, and, and all, we can watch it anytime we want. It's very true. We have the Hitchcock box set. And also, this movie existed at a very specific time in Hollywood that Universal forked over like $40 million to Gus Van Sant uh-huh. the year after he made Good Will Hunting. Right. That it was just a very specific time that I'm sure that Gus was getting remake offers and he's just like, sure, I'll do a remake. I want to remake Psycho shot by shot. (laughs) And they just wrote him out the check. Right. Well, I think after Goodwill Hunting, Gus Van Sant probably got a blank check to do whatever the hell he wanted. And he made this movie. And he made this movie. Interesting choice. Uh, I'll agree, but... Like I said, it's 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 a lot of fun, and what a challenge for a filmmaker to say, like, yeah, I'm gonna. Not only am I gonna remake a movie, but to do it in this way. I don't know how many times this had been done in cinema history. Uh, a straight shot for shot remake that was not by a you know a director remaking their own movie or the kids that made. Like the Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, Alfred Hitchcock had remade, you know, some of his early British films mm-hmm. later on in the States. Uh, but I, I don't think that like this as a as a film experiment almost. This is a very like it's almost like a, an art project, mm-hmm. you know, to to do it in this manner to remake a movie like this to use the same script. Yeah, it's definitely a weird thing that Andy Warhol, yeah, probably would have approved of. The only example that I can think of this is when Michael Haneke remade Funny Games, right? A movie that he directed a few years earlier. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. But he just did it in English. And he just did it in English. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, see, there's things like yep. that when a director will, will do his own his own work. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, very Andy Warhol. And I think for people who are not super familiar with Gus Van Sant is like, yes, he did Goodwill Hunting, but he came from, you know, independent movies. He came from very came from shorts, you know, yep. short films. And, and his early work, you know, if you watch... 
my own private Idaho, it's not a mainstream, oh. you know, run of the mill story. You know, he, he was very um almost experimental, you know, when it came to the way that he told stories, you know, in his movies. Mm-hmm. Um you immediately see that it's Gus Van Sant and you immediately see those my own private Idaho kind of inspirations in the first not even shot in the opening credits of this movie which uses the iconic Saul Bass animated opening credits and this time it's in color and this time it's in color yep and it's green mm-hmm. and this green color is something that Gus Van Sant used uh you know in between shots in or in between setups in uh, my own private that's Idaho. right I forgot about that yeah so I, immediately when I'm sitting in the theater in 1998, I see the opening credits and I see the lines come in and the lines come in green. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Gus right there. Because mm-hmm. I am very familiar with my own private Idaho. I mean, that movie is like, you want to talk about a movie that made us gay. That movie just like blew my like 12-year-old mind. Yeah, I mean, Gus Van Sant is no stranger to sort of dipping his toe into queer filmmaking too and exploring queer themes and it's like a movie like this that i wanted to do it on this show not obviously queer but it's like vigo mortensen's naked in the opening scene of this movie (laughs) and later is just casually holding a judy album so it just sort of seeps into his material yeah and i mean vigo mortensen then vigo mortensen now oh my god he's like a fucking hunk of man i think he's like this giant danish like mm -hmm. specimen this is the hottest that he has ever looked (laughs) and i was trying to think like was i familiar and that's not an easy thing to be because vigo's hot and everything so it's like how do you choose and it's one of those things that when i was thinking i think i was like 13 years old when this came out Mm -hmm. and i don't think i had ever seen him in a movie no i don't think i'd seen him and i just remember sitting in the theater yeah I think I saw this opening weekend because I, I think, oddly, my small town got this really, really soon. Yeah. With maybe not opening weekend, but at least the second week. Sure. And, yeah, there's Vigo in his butt, <laughs> in his teeny little tramp stamp. <laughs> yes, Vigo Mortensen does, in fact, have a tramp stamp, ladies and gentlemen. Look Do you think he on. still has it? Um, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that's just like, whatever, I can't see it. I'll have to break. I get it I'll up? have to. I'll, I'll have to for. go break out. I don't know if I own Eastern Promises, but uh, you yes. see every single inch of his body in that yes, movie. Yes, I don't know indeed. if you can see it. Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> they may have covered it up with makeup, but so okay. So we're not going to spend the entire time defending this movie. We're just going to talk about it uh, as we would any other subject, any other episode. But it is a shot for shot, almost shot for shot. Remake, we'll re- discuss, reimagining. We'll discuss the differences psycho. because I think the differences of when it separates from its source material are yes. very interesting. And, you know, Gus has said uh, – also, just the two of us are very well-versed in the supplemental features on, on this uh, DVD and, and now Blu-ray that mm-hmm. we own. So we, we've seen the documentary making of. We've listened to the commentary tracks. And let me tell you this. Anne Heche and Vince Vaughn – couple of chatty Cathy's know there. how to talk yeah yeah so th- that commentary track is very uh thorough mm-hmm. um but uh what was i gonna say so uh it's a you know it's a shot for shot remake they're using the same script and they studied the original movie to get all the shots down and um the original movie opens up 
on these two characters. And it's the 60s in the original movie. Oh, mm-hmm. I know what I was going to say. Gus Van Sant has gone on, has gone on to say well, one of the reasons he made this was because a lot of younger people in the 90s, this was, came out in sure. 98, so a lot of younger people in the 90s, he said, may not be inclined to watch a black and white, you know, thriller, horror movie, even if it's Alfred Hitchcock, even if it's the first slasher movie ever, you know, legendary psycho. Young people might not be inclined to watch it if they'd never seen it. So here's a way to get them to watch it. We'll make a brand new movie set in the present with yeah. up and coming actors that we like. So it'll bring it to a new audience, right? Yeah, and it's something that Hollywood still does, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, we'll talk about the casting choices, especially Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. when we get to that character. The story of Psycho is crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, it's based on the book by Rob by Robert Block. Yes, no. Robert Block. Yes, Robert Block. It's based on the book by Robert Block, uh, which is in turn – Kind of inspired by Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Yes. Uh, Ed Gein, uh, if you're not familiar, is a uh, was a serial killer. He liked to dig right? people up. That was his, liked, that was his gig, he right? To dig people mm-hmm. up. He was also the inspiration for the family in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, when th- when he was found by the police, he had lots of things in his home, like. Body parts in the fridge. Skin lamp. Uh, you know, lots of things in the house made of body parts. Things made of bones. Things made of skin. Uh, and he also had a room in his house that was his mother's room that was sealed off from the rest of the house and completely untouched because his mother had died. And I'm pretty sure he had exhumed his mother's body and kind and, of like – she was like propped up in a chair. Mummified her. Yeah. Norma Bates style? Norma Bates style. So mm-hmm. that part was taken directly from Ed Gein. Texas Chainsaw Massacre took the whole, like, you know, body parts and skin lamps and all that. Um, American Horror Story Asylum took from his story in the Zachary Quinto character, you know, that abducted uh, Sarah Paulson and he had the skin lamps in his house and all of that stuff. So this character, this Ed Gein, is, uh, you know, He's inspired a lot of, of uh, mm-hmm. you know, literature and film and all that. So that's that's where the stories is taken from. And uh, but it's you know it's not exactly that story. It's 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 an inspiration. And the 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 whole thing about this movie is that it starts off one way and it kind of like you're sold that Marion Crane is your lead protagonist mm-hmm. and you're with her on this journey when she steals the money. They did update the money f- for the remake. There was minor changes in the script to keep it updated. The money was one of them. I can't think of the amount off the top of my head that they updated to, but they did change it. It was uh, okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about the the plot of the movie, and when we get to the money, I'll, I'll um, we'll mention that. But it starts off with this character uh, in the nineteen sixty original, played by Janet Lee, very beautiful Janet Lee. Uh, her name is Marion Crane. She mm-hmm. works at a a real estate office. Yeah, like a real estate office. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in this version, in our version, it is played by she is played by Anne Hesh. Yes. And Marion Crane, uh, she, she works at a real estate office. She's just kind of like a receptionist slash assistant. Assistant. Yep. You know. And um, <clears throat> when we first see her, 
She's on her lunch break. Well, first, we get that beautiful tracking shot that Gus finishes. <laughs> that in the original shooting script of Psycho, mm-hmm. it is noted that it's a tracking shot through the window. And in the original, it's cut up a few times just because of with helicopter and camera technology, they couldn't finish it. Right. But they finished it here. Right. And they do a cool effect of when they go through the window, you see them in bed in the hotel, and it's shot perfectly. Like, it's uh, the shot is very fluid, and it goes right to the set. Right. Um, so the movie starts off on Marion Crane, single gal, working gal. She's on her lunch break, and she is in a hotel room that charges by the hour, and she's just finished doing it with her hot-as-hell boyfriend, Sam Sam Loomis. Sam Loomis. Sam Loomis, played by Viggo Mortensen. And it's kind of interesting of the dynamics here that, uh, I mean, Marion's still in her bra, but she gets dressed pretty early in the scene, though. But they keep Viggo naked. Yes. Which I kind of like that, that you get some, like, some, uh, some, like, female gaze on beautiful Viggo. (laughs) And you objectify him a little bit. And, um, Yeah. Well, I think the idea uh, the idea originally is that, you know, she's she's a like I said, she's a working gal, she's single, she, you know, she's on her lunch break and she, and this is very scandalous, right? She's having and especially she's for having some afternoon delight. Yeah. Especially for a movie that was made in the early 60s. Right. Um but and you know, in this movie it's it's still kind of like that. It's like, okay, you're going to take your lunch break. You're mm-hmm. this is yeah. a work day. She left work to go Bone zone her her boyfriend in a hotel room, and the reason they're in a hotel room, he doesn't live in Phoenix, which is where the movie. This is where this this these yes. scenes take place. He's out of town. He lives in Fairvale, yes. Fairvale, which I think is in California. Yes, it's uh, you know doesn't matter where it is in, in the in the scope of of, of this li- movie. I like to think it's somewhere in the Central Valley yeah. outside yeah, like, of yeah. Fresno, fictional town. Yep. Yeah, Central Valley, California, right. You know, they're talking about, like, Marion's sick and tired of meeting in these, like, sleazy motels. Sam is divorced from his first wife, paying alimony payments, you know. And he's poor himself. He he lives in the back of his hardware store. That he works at with Flea. Barely making ends meet. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers yep. is, uh, is another Gus Van Sant's. You know, repertory player. He was also in My Own Private Idaho. Um, so, you know, we have this scene setting up these two characters. But yeah, Vigo's butt ass naked the entire time. And um, she's like, she's getting ready. She's putting her putting her earrings on, getting her little business suit ready to go back to the office because she was on her lunch break. And um, immediately right off the bat, when you're watching this, you see her put on this like this little suit like a business suit it's a skirt with this with the blouse and it's almost like tweed but it's pink yeah right and you can really notice that on our blue it's super it's super vibrant pink and it's a little interesting all the costumes in this movie are very kind of like bright and um there, it's it's weird when you look at the costumes. Yeah, they're weird. The they costumes are done by Beatrice uh, Beatrice Kandar, Beatrix Aruna Pas- Pastor. I think that she works with Gus a lot. 
and sure. she's Hungarian. They so talk on the commentary kind of, of that when they first started the movie. They don't think that Beatrice really got the note that it was supposed to be contemporary. That she was still dressing these actors like they lived in the 60s. And that's what's kind of fascinating about it is that it lives in this fascinating the 90s through a 50s lens. Yeah, or or like an early 60s kind of uh, interpretation. Um, yeah, the, the costumes definitely stand out, especially Marion's. She wears these little business suits or even just little like dresses um, or like uh, like – not sweater sets, but just, you know, little, very interesting costume choices. So, yeah. So, the Beatrix Pastor, uh, Hungarian costume designer, is a little quirky and she made some fun choices. But I, I like it. I think she kept the silhouettes true to, especially with Marion, to uh, the Janet Lee character. And, I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of those fun, kind of cool uh left field choices and you know a, a different filmmaker wouldn't have gone that route they would have just said dresser you know normal dresser we're gonna make her 90s and it's like no yeah. it would have dated this movie but now the movie almost has a weird like timeless quality to it because you're not really sure what's going on with the costumes um marion goes to uh back to her real estate office to work and uh, her boss, who's uh, played by Vance, not Vance, Rance Howard, mm-hmm. Rance with an R, who is uh, Ron Howard's father, comes in with a customer who just bought a house. Well, first, in cash. we're skipping over one of my favorite characters of the movie. Mm. Rita Wilson. Yes, Rita Wilson is in this movie. Rita Wilson giving this 1950s housewife commercial ready delivery <laughs> and i love what she's wearing this cute little like cutout in her chest this Re- like diamond cutout so rita wilson is wearing uh a dress that's got like it's like a long sleeve but it's a skirt mm-hmm. and it's got a, it's got a cutout um it's a very interesting pattern i feel like it's kind of a very like 90s couch pattern Mm -hmm. um upholstery-esque but with the cutout it's a little like nanny fine um but i love it this character was played uh by uh alfred hitchcock's daughter pat hitchcock original movie pat hitchcock Mm -hmm. and she's you know she's a co-worker and again we're going off of a script from 1960 that they only updated very minute things that wouldn't have actually made sense to a modern audience. So they kept all the dialogue and Rita Wilson, just what can you do with this dialogue? Yeah. So, just kind of selling it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun performance. Is Mr. Lowry back from lunch yet? He's lunching with the man who's buying the Harris street property. Oh, you know, right. the oil lease man. Right, right, right. So that's why he's late. You getting a headache? It'll pass. Headaches are like resolutions. You forget about them as soon as they stop hurting. You got aspirins? I have something. Not aspirins. But my mother's doctor gave these to me on the day of my wedding. Teddy was furious when he found out I'd taken tranquilizers. (laughs) Any calls? Oh, Teddy called me. And my mother called to see if Teddy called. And, oh, your sister called to say that she'd be going to Tucson to do some buying and she'd be gone the whole weekend. And... 
this is also an interesting scene because you see actors when they're given a script that you can tell that Rita uh, is going to think that she's going to deliver this like Pat Hitchcock. So she's doing a, this very, this, this fun kind of throwback delivery. But I've always appreciated how Anne plays Marion. Yeah. Because she looks at her when she's giving that delivery. With, and you almost see, like, her eyes roll in the back of her head. It's like, what? Like, she's about? listened to this woman ramble on yeah. for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's a good performance. I think mm-hmm. it's like, what do you, how do you deliver this, this dialogue? But yeah, I think it's well done. And it, and it comes off a little Truman show when Laura Linney's doing the commercials, <laughs> but that's, what's kind of fun about it though. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it, it can, it goes there, but you know, yeah, it, it does. It does make it fun. And again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's using, it's using the script. So that's something they do in theater. All the time. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really discussed that, that it's very common to remake plays that are classics. Like what happens when you go see Barefoot in the Park? Mm -hmm. Couples don't talk like that. Yep. But they're using the script. They're not going to update it. They're not going to give them cell phones. Right? Or something like 12 Angry Men that was written in in like the 50s. Yeah. So, you know, or Romeo and Juliet, which was written, you know, thousands of years ago. Um. So yeah, uh, it's it's little scenes like this where you're just like, oh man, this is crazy. Like, yeah. what what the hell are we in for? So okay, so this guy comes into the realtor's office. He's just bought a house for his daughter as a wedding gift, and he's paid in cash, and not just like transferred money, not just like cashier's check. He brought four hundred thousand dollars, giant stacks of bills. In- cash fat stacks Mm -hmm. he is going to the strip club with usher and it's not usher bucks it's like actual dough um in the original it was forty thousand dollars and they upped it to four hundred yes four hundred thousand because it has to it has to a house you know what would a house cost yeah and like 98 that would that would that's a that's a decent in arizona yeah 98 that's a fucking mansion Mm -hmm. right um that's a mansion now in arizona um so yeah, so and again, the way Anne is playing this this scene. I like when he's flirting with her and he looks away and you can see Anne just sort of like Yeah, she's just like ugh, ugh. This fucking guy, right? Mm-hmm. She hates it. So, you know, the uh the boss tells her go to the bank now. Like go. I don't even I don't want this in the safe. This is too much cash. Leave. Take the money, go to the bank, and come back, right? Because this is too much cash. I don't want it here. So she's like, you know what? I don't feel good. Fuck this. I just, you know, I just got banged by Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> this guy is gross. I'm over it. It's hot. It's Arizona. No, I don't want to go to Vegas with it's, you. It's Friday. Playground of the world. Yeah, I know. It's Friday. I'm out of here. So she's like, I have a headache. I'm going to go deposit this money, and I'm going to go home. I'll see you Monday. Right? So she leaves. Go to her apartment. And we're like, oh, shit. We're back at her apartment. And she still has the water cash Mm -hmm. on her bed. She didn't go to the bank. And now she's just like, you know, they were talking about... How are they going to? How are they going to get together? How can they make this work? You know, he's got these alimony payments. He doesn't even have a house. You know, she's like a single girl. What are they going to do? How are they going to? You know, get their life together? 
And she's just like, shit, I've got $400,000 in an envelope in my hand right now. I like a kind of these notes of Anne's performance that she's kind of, uh, she's kind of playing up that Marion is a bad criminal. Yeah. That she doesn't normally do stuff like this. And that's definitely in Janet Lee's performance. Yeah. But I think that Anne's performance is definitely like leaning into that more. Yes. Because Marion's not a criminal, you know? And this is, this is very impulsive. It's just like they just had this conversation a couple hours ago and she was just like, well, shit. Yeah. And you definitely get in that frazzled mindset when yeah. she's walking around her apartment looking at the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, that like, I don't know, a modern movie would have some weird like explanation or voiceover mm-hmm. or something. And this movie and it's you know, it's it's Hitchcock and Hitchcock was very much like his whole idea of like pure cinema and things happening without dialogue and just the actions showing it all to us as the yeah. audience. And he's doing it here. He's they're not spoon feeding us like, well, I'm gonna take this money. There's not a phone call yeah. from her to Sam saying like, Well, what should I do? Should I go? It's just her in her in her apartment and we cut to the stacks of cash and her packing her bag and a suitcase. Yep. And you're just like, Oh shit, she's going to take the money and run. Right. And, um, yeah, she changes her clothes. She gets into a new little outfit, new little sundress. And, uh, this is the dress that has the buttons. Yes. Match the shower curtain. Um, and she gets in her car and she starts driving. I, uh, so when they shot the exteriors of this movie, and what's cool about of how Gus did this is that he shoots plates like they would have back in the 60s. And so when she sees Rance Howard crossing the street, which he's crossing uh, – I think that he's crossing Raymond in uh, Pasadena. Yes. Well, anyways, the plates are where we live. It's, it's downtown Pasadena. Like our actual neighborhood. And I think it's so cool of how these plates look in color in a 1998 film. Yes. So what what they did was rather than put the car on the back of a truck and drive the truck down the street hauling the car with the actress in it and shooting it live, they you know they went down and they and they shot footage of the street and then they projected it onto a screen in a studio with the car sitting there and stage hands bouncing the car up and down techniques that they would have done in the shining lights at her, you know, with the, with the footage of the street playing on these big screens projected behind her, which they did in the sixties. And, you know, they still do to some extent in some movies, but it's an older technique and they did it to match how they shot it back then. But the plates that they shot are all Various locations yep. in Pasadena. Some of them, five minute walk from here. Oh yeah. Um, but that we do get a scene of her driving, stopping at a stoplight, and we see her boss and the the rich Texan or whatever crossing the street. And he looks and he sees her and he thinks she waves. She's like, "Hey!" And he waves. And then he's like, "Hey." And they both have this minute and he's like, oh, I thought you were sick. And she's like, oh, I told him I was sick. But now she's changed her clothes. It's a different outfit. 
And this is when this can the, place her at a certain time and a place. This is when the Ber- the Bernard Herman score really ramps up, and the score uh, they recorded it with an orchestra conducted by Danny Elfman. Yes, and they recorded it in stereo. I love yes, that. They re-recorded they re-recorded yep. the whole score, which was, I mean, again, iconic score. The 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 soundtrack to to Psycho is amazing and. Danny Elfman had just scored Goodwill Hunting, and it prob- yes. I mean, he probably jumped at the opportunity to conduct the orchestra of Bernard Herrmann's iconic score. Yes, yes. But, you know, when she sees her boss in the street, it's just this thing of like, oh, fuck. He saw me. But he doesn't say like, you know, he's crossing the street. He's in a crosswalk. She's in the car. And it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe she was going to the pharmacy to pick up, you know, yeah. some – She could be picking up her – Advil or she, whatever. She could be like picking up her dry cleaner But it's or just that moment of like, well, I told him I was sick and now, you know, now he's now I'm out in the street driving. And, you know, it's just this thing to, to like scare her. And it's just Marion Crane as played by Anne Heche in this movie is just like – all of us after we stole four hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, I wouldn't know what to do if I stole <laughs> that amount of money from my job. I would be, and then you see your boss like driving away. Marion, I would be a terrible criminal. When you're skipping town, you're yep. like, oh shit, floor it, and like run him over. Yeah, at this point, it's like now you've now not only have you stolen four hundred thousand dollars, now you've murdered your boss and several other people in the crosswalk because you just got spooked, right? Um, so we get this montage of Marion driving out of town, right? She's leaving Phoenix. She's and driving to Fairvale, wherever they that keep is. They keep the voiceover. In California. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing about the voiceover in Psycho is that when, as Marion's driving away, she's just stolen the money, she's on the road, we get this voiceover. And it's various characters. It's her boss. It's Rita Wilson. First it's Sam. It's the rich Texan. But we don't know if this is all in Marion's head. Yeah. That thing when you're like having conversations with people that will never happen. Yeah. Is she just or, thinking this one? What am I going to say to Sam as soon as I pull up with all of yeah. this money? Because it's like Vigo going like, Marion, what are you doing here? Where'd you get that money? Like all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we don't know if, it, if these are actual conversations. Well, that conversation never happens. Yeah, the one with Sam. Yeah. So it has to be in so her head. So it has to be in her head. Yep. Yeah, just thought of that right now. So that? she ends up pulling over at the side of the road, and we just drove to Fresno to see a friend of the pod, Jacob. Uh, shout out to our summer school episode. We went and uh, we went and stayed at his house, and I'm always obsessed with trying to find the shooting location off the freeway because it's about it's just outside of Bakersfield. Or no, it's like it's going to Bakersfield. Sure, Gorman, California. Mm-hmm. Gorman, is, California. Uh, and the, this is the speed trap. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. That's in Gorman. Drive the speed limit when you're going through there. And this is the scene with James Remar as the cop. Yes, James Remar yep. from uh, the Warriors from our cruising episode. From cruising. Uh, you know, James Remar, Samantha is Jones' boyfriend. Samantha, yes. He plays cop very, very well. Um, yeah, he is, uh, he is one hell of a man. He's just a, a fucking great dude. Voice. Just great looking dude. Great voice. Um, this, this is the thing about this movie is that it's filled with, well, maybe not filled with, but there's some fucking smoking dudes in it. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got Vigo. Now we've got James Remar. James Remar serving hot cop. Yeah. And the thing is, Marion 
parks her car on the side of the road and falls asleep because it's nighttime. And uh, she gets woken up by a police officer and it's, and it's played by James Remar. And this, the, the scene again, it's shot for shot and the way it was shot in the movie. It's really crazy. This extreme close up on his face. They get the, they get the exteriors at the real location. And then when you get to the medium shots, they're on a sound, they're on a sound stage with the rear, with the rear projections. Yeah. I think they may have blue screened it for yes. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they did the same thing where they didn't really. But go like I said, like the artificial of the artificialness of it makes it look really cool. Yeah, yeah, it it just gives it this quality of just like a, like a movie, like a you know like an old fashioned movie, and um, yeah, this this these line readings by James Remar are there's there's something. In quite a hurry. Yes, I I didn't intend to sleep so long. Well, I almost had an accident last night from from uh, sleepiness, so I decided to pull over. You slept here all night? Yes. As I said, I couldn't keep my eyes open. So. There are plenty of motels in this area. You should have... I mean, just to be safe. I just pulled over. Have I broken any laws? No, ma'am. Then I'm free to go? Is anything wrong? There's nothing wrong, except that I'm in a hurry and, and you're taking up my time. Now, just a moment. Turn your motor on, please. May I see your license and registration? Why? Please. Love how Anne delivers why. Why? Why would you talk like that to a cop? <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, today she would be tased six ways to Sunday before, you know. Before the end of that conversation. But what's really interesting about the scene is that James is definitely hitting all of the beats of that original actor. And Anne's just kind of doing her own thing. So it's just sort of left up to the actor if they're going to hit all of the beats of the original performance or kind of make something of their own with it. Yeah. And That's what I like about the scene. Yeah, and James Remar has said uh, that he was going for specific line reading from from the original performance which is yeah which is which is interesting but um i mean yeah uh you fall asleep in your car on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and a cop is like hey what are you doing here and she is just saying all the damn wrong things zero chill she has no chill whatsoever start in the car you know refusing to give the license and registration Asking why he needs all this stuff. You're taking up my time. Uh, I love it. I love it. I would love to talk to police officers that way, but I don't have the luxury of being a tiny white woman. So um, I usually keep my hands at 10 and 2 and (laughs) (laughs) say yes, sir, no, sir. But uh, yeah, moving on. Um, It's a a really fun scene, but it's uh, also, you know, these these things that they did to, to replicate you know, the, the, the original movie, which is really fun. So when she's trying to outrun the cop in the car or try to lose him, this is the scene that's shot by PCC, Pasadena Community College, which is just down, just down the block from us. When I was driving home from work tonight, I did the Marion Drive. And I think <laughs> of this movie every single time I drive by PCC. And <laughs> if you notice that she drives by a bus ad of six days and seven nights. Starring Anne, Anne Hesch and Harrison something Ford. That, something that Hitchcock totally would have done. 
if he had the opportunity to do that with an actor. Yeah, I was actually going to PCC at the time that this movie was being shot. Uh, I I noticed that they moved a, a bus, uh, like, like a bus stop. Well, it was 20 years yeah, ago. But yeah, but the bus stop may have been there. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that it, it's – I always think of that, that the bus stop isn't there anymore. It's down the street more. Yeah, um, but yeah, in the bus shelter was a – and it's fleeting. It doesn't. It doesn't zoom in on it. It's just if you have that eye and you know movie posters, like we do, <laughs> as they're dri- as she's driving past the college, you can you can definitely see. And at that time, I want to say the old arcade might have still been there, across yeah. the street, uh, where the game store is now. Okay, sure. There was an arcade. Yep. Uh, you see that Arco? You do. You see the mm-hmm. Arco. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, so that's all. That's all our neighborhood. And you, um, and then next is like the great scenes of the car dealership with uh, mm-hmm. another um, actor that has worked with Gus a lot. This is James Legrose. Legro. Legro. Yes, it's silent because he is from France. And I like that James Legro and his um, uh, car salesman. He has like his slick back hair, and if you notice on. James's hair, there's like a blonde skunk effect. And it's because James is a big surfer and his hair turns blonde. So his hair slicked back. So down the center, it's a little bit more blonde than mm-hmm. yep. uh, the rest of his hair. Very interesting. Yeah. Little sign. They noticed that on the, the, they noted that on the commentary when I was watching it today. Yeah. His shirt is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's like rayon or polyester or something very shiny. It's short sleeve. He's wearing a short sleeve shirt with a tie, but it's like a navy with like these cool like like almost geometric patterns on it. It's almost eighties. I always this shirt gay gasp when Anne breaks out the parasol. <laughs> I think it's so cool. <laughs> so she gets out of her car and she starts walking down the aisles of you know of the cars. But right as she gets out of the car, she has her little green purse and then just opens up this orange Chinese paper parasol, like the kind that goes in a tropical drink. Yeah, and I think that not was... even a, an umbrella, just a mm-hmm. paper parasol that like, like you push up from like the center. something that I would have sold when I worked at the when I worked at the Huntington. Yeah. And I guess that Anne says that that's something that the costume designer just gave her to walk from her trailer to the location because she's just very she's very pale, she's very and they fair. just ended up blocking the scene with it. And uh, as we have mentioned several times on this podcast, I mentioned it earlier in this episode. It gets very hot in Pasadena. <laughs> we are in the foothills. We are in a valley. And it is always 5 to 10 degrees hotter than in Los Angeles proper In when you're in Pasadena. It's always hotter in the valley. And, uh, yeah, so she said it was, it was very hot that day, those shooting days. And uh, they gave her this parasol and they just kept it in the movie mm-hmm. and it looks fucking cool and it's just okay now we see that marion's that character that's just mm-hmm. that quirky character that uses a chinese parasol just for some shade you know um yeah i, I love that girl she's that girl i knew she was <laughs> um yeah so marion is now she's like okay now a cop is has pulled me over and seen me i gotta ditch this car right i got 400 grand I can drop a couple, you know, I can drop a couple large to get a new car, you know, and, uh, I'm already going to get a new identity in a couple days anyway. 
So she just, uh, James LeGro comes out and he's like, hey, first customer of the day. Let's get this bread, yep. man. Let, what do you want? Let's do it. And she's just like, I don't know, that one. Mm-hmm. She, again, no chill. She's just like, this one. And he's like, all right, let's take it out for a test drive. She's like, no test drive, this one. And he's just like, uh, I guess. <laughs> okay. I wish I could do that when shopping for a car. I mean, if you got $400,000 mm-hmm. in cash, shit. And he's just like, all right, uh, uh, I'll take your car and, you know, $4,000. And she's just like, done. Yeah. Let me go get the four, let me go get the four large. I'll be right back. She gets the car with the cop across the street. Yeah. Now he's like, in yep. the time it's taken her to like pull over and start looking at the cars and blah, blah, blah. He's like tailed her. He's caught up to her. And he parks across the street, gets out of his car and just leans up against the car and looking at her. She's like, all right, you're buying a car. Now you're trading in your car. Okay. All right. Let's see how this goes. Um, yeah, very, very crazy scene. Uh, again, Marion doesn't, she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Almost, dri- almost drives off with her luggage, like without her luggage. Yeah. She left her luggage in the old car and her old Volvo and they're like, come running after her. Hey, you know, um, throw it in the back seat. takes off. Love it though. Love it. She's just like, here's, here's four grand. I've, I've got all the paperwork for my car. It is the fastest like sale of anything. Much less a car. In like movie history. In, in yeah. any history. I think it takes a long time to, to actually purchase a car from someone. There's like several things you have to sign. It. She's just like here. Throws like four thousand dollar bills. Yeah. I think they're thousand dollar bills that she gives him. And he's just like, okay. He even says too, like, somebody chasing you. I love the way he says it. Somebody chasing you. She's just like, ugh. Didn't she also give him some kind of like, like sassy comment about like, you're wasting my time. Can I just buy? Can I just buy? I want to buy this car. Yeah, but yeah, and I love how James plays this as just like the sleazy car salesman that just sort of the the dynamics have switched. This woman's sort of getting the best of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like, yeah, he does. He doesn't know how to kind of how to proceed because she's just like okay well you know this one and traded in my car and and four thousand okay and he's just like um i think james right. performance is pretty <laughs> similar to this actor in the original but i think that he just sort of ups the just sort of the smarmy car salesman act. yeah but then he, yeah but he plays it a little bit more confused i think the original guy is just like all right lady. all right lady because he's it's 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 a little sexist the the lines you know, he talks about like everybody's entitled to changing their mind, and you being a woman, you change your mind a lot. You no, know? yeah, there's some, there's something in there about like being a woman, like you'll you'll change your mind, and that line's left in there, mm-hmm. and he says it. He's like, oh yeah, being a woman, you will, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, all right, you, you did it. Um, so I think in the original, he's playing it a little bit more like a salesman dealing with a single woman without a husband especially buying a car especially in like the late 50s yeah Yeah. he's just like all right this lady doesn't know what she wants i'm just gonna whatever lady whatever but james the girl i think is just like shit all right like and when he says like somebody chasing you i think he's got a little bit of in something in the in him of like maybe somebody is chasing her like i don't know maybe she's in trouble like but you know she gets a car and takes off and that's it. Like, that's all she wrote for that character. She drives 
she drives all night. Oh, well, not, I mean, not quite all night, but I take it that Marion has been in the car for a while. Well, that's the thing. It's first thing in the morning when she buys this new car because mm-hmm. the cop just woke her up. So she's you know, driven all day. All day. And it turns, it turns, you know, the sun sets, turns to night, and it starts raining. And I'm telling you, it's like she's I've, driving through a waterfall. I've driven in rain like this in Southern California. <laughs> it's scary. It's like she's driving mm-hmm. through, it's like, People are shooting several fire hoses at her windshield. So Marion ends up at the Bates Hotel. And what do you think of this redesign of the Bates Motel? That's fine. I think it's kind of cool looking. Yeah. I would stay here. Yeah. It looks like a it just looks like a little mm-hmm. roadside motel. Yeah, I mean just like the neon sign's cool. It it kind of could be like the ace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean if it was you know what's interesting about the Bates Motel is that when you drive through, like, Hollywood and, like, Sunset and Hollywood Boulevard, there are motels that look like those. those little motels, Just yeah. like – but they're in the middle of the city, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, it's like if that were to be purchased, if it was in Palm Springs, it would have been flipped into a, into a boutique hotel. If it were in L.A., it would be flipped into – well, actually, those hotels in Sunset and Hollywood are probably crack houses. But, you know, they're I, cute. I mean, I can remember <laughs> but, when but I you was – could probably buy some crack I can though. remember when I was a kid in Montana, there being hotels like this mm-hmm. off of little highways that was not quite the interstate, but just right. like a little, a little highway. Right, right. Yeah, well, and that's something from – the time period you know freeways as we know it were just kind of coming into existence in the 50s and the 60s and they're nowhere near as huge as they are now and they didn't go through the desert and interstate like they do now so at Mm -hmm. that time there was route 66 and roads that would take you from state to state and there would be little hotels like this but the advent of giant interstate highways they got you know they got the short end of the stick and nobody would visit the Bates Motel anymore alright so we we finally got to Vince Vaughn so yes. what do you think of Vince Vaughn's performance in this movie because my thoughts of it have, have kind of changed throughout the years okay I initially at the time that was my biggest thing with this I think it was kind of everyone's he was, yep. yeah, was that he was a little miscast um, I'm trying to think who else in 1998 could have done this. Matt right? Damon. I don't, I don't. I think 1998 Matt Damon following Goodwill Hunting, I could see him doing a good Norman Bates. You know, maybe. Um, I'm feeling more like, and if we're going to go from Gus Van Sant's crew Maybe Joaquin Phoenix could have worked. Joaquin Phoenix could have worked. Now, maybe in, a little young. In 1998, yeah. he would have been very young, but Freddie Highmore this is, is very true. also yeah. very young looking. And it would, have, it would have been a kind of a different take and on he Norman. It out in, for in someone who was, who was in his early 20s. Yes. Um, and Vince Vaughn probably was in his mid-20s. He just is, is an older-looking gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe Joaquin, maybe maybe somebody like Ed Norton, but I feel like Ed Norton would have wanted to rewrite the script, which oh, would yeah. have been a good idea. Um, 
somebody in that vein. I'm I'm thinking because I'm just locked into Anthony Perkins in my head. So I'm like, well, it has to be somebody like, you know, very like not frail, but just, you know, Vince Vaughn is such a big dude, right? So it's very interesting that the contrast of Vince Vaughn, the guy being six foot four and mm-hmm. an imposing figure and Norman Bates, as we know him from Anthony Perkins being, you know, very thin, you know, smaller framed kind of a guy. And also, you know, his demeanor, his character is a little bit more like he's kind of shy, I guess. Shy, but also kind of introduced in the original as kind of a happy-go-lucky guy Mm -hmm, who just mm -hmm. seems very friendly and very like you would never even assume that that he has his mother's dead body upstairs in his house. I don't know if this guy was checking me into the hotel. I'd be like, I don't know about this guy. He's he's probably got, he's probably got his, his mummified mom in the in the. But in, I don't think that a, I don't think that a nineteen sixty audience sixties right, audience right, right. would have thought that. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah, about somebody like yeah. Anthony Perkins. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, yeah, I'm conflicted about Vince Vaughn's performance. It's a performance that I think I initially really liked when I first saw this movie when I was 13, uh-huh. and then I was just like, I don't know if he is really handling this material. Right. And honestly, the last time we watched it, I have to say I don't mind it. Right. Like it's kind of something. It's kind of a performance that has grown on me. That I think it's really fascinating casting, yeah. especially with that time with Vince Vaughn, yeah. that he had just done a movie like Swingers, and something like this would have been a 180 for him. So it would have been very, almost casting against type for someone like Norman. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. Definitely against type for, for Vince Vaughn. Um yeah, I mean, at the and at the time he was he was hot, you know, he was coming mm-hmm. off swingers, you know. He had just made the Lost World with Julianne Moore. Yeah, he, he also had just made a movie with Anne Heche too, like back to back, which is um, Return to Paradise. I'll have to look that up. Oh, I can't Lord. remember the name of it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and and Norman Bates is a very complicated character. Yes, very complicated character. Uh, is is Vince Vaughn playing him gay? It, did Anthony Perkins play him gay? Is that just how Anthony Perkins was? Is it, or is it us as gay men just projecting that is Norman a secret homo? Maybe you know, a boy's best friend is his mother. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's. I mean, come on. You know, it's like he's. It's it's an interesting character. There's a lot. I mean, and when I say like there's a lot to unpack here, there are literally college courses. Yeah. About just this movie. Right. Like people have written like thesis papers on Norman Bates. Like mm-hmm. this is a a complicated character. And especially now in like 2021, is the material transphobic? Like right. we like well, right. it's yeah. it's important to address yeah. that we won't get super into. But yeah, so you get that layer of reflecting on this movie. Yeah. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Transvesticism. Mm-hmm. Tran- calling him a transvestite, like all of that stuff, and 
Yeah, it's just uh, and and multiple even even something like multiple personalities. It's like, exactly is that even a thing. Like, yeah, that's sort of been debunked. That like it's what's not going it's on not really yeah. a thing that we used to think about back in the day. In this, in, that it was yeah mm-hmm. in the sense of like I've got like now I'm a little girl and now I'm like an old black lady and now I'm like like. Is and that it, how it works? And it's, so, and it's so interesting because have you read the book? I have not. I have read the book. And Norman is described very differently, very differently yeah. in the yeah. book. That he's just sort of this schlumpy guy that lives with his mom out right, in the right, desert. Right. Just kind of what you would think a real person would right. look like under those circumstances. Yeah. And I mean, if you have to kind of think about the context of 1960 and Anthony Perkins as an actor and – I mean, now we know that Anthony Perkins was gay, um, but at the time he was like like a matinee idol. He's like a yeah. very handsome man, you know, linked to different, you know, Hollywood starlets. And probably a role that they offered to bigger stars, and they probably looked at the script and were like, uh, no. <laughs> that it sort of took this complicated man to do the script and go, fuck yeah, I can do this. Right, right. It's a, it's a really crazy role. There's, um, there's long monologues, you know, where he goes into detail about caring for his sick mother. The scenes with Marion are great. Yeah. You know, some of my favorites, uh, some of my favorite scenes in movies are, is the parlor scene with Norman and Marion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, his scenes with Sam later on in the movie. I mean, if you thought the scenes with Sam were gay in the original, I feel like that's even ramped up in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, cause I feel like Vigo is an actor that's like, oh no, we're, we're going to go there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get like all up in your face, <laughs> you know? And maybe Vince Vaughn is an actor or is a person that's like, oh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But when you're working with Vigo Mortensen, you're just like, all right. Um, well, they mentioned on the commentary that Vince's first day was doing the big scene where he meets Marion mm-hmm. and how he was so nervous that he yeah. couldn't even do the scene. Right. And they had to take a break. Right. That like I like I have to get my shit together. I don't know if I can do this. Right. And then after that first day, it was fine. Well, it's interesting because you know Marion's scenes when she is deciding if she's going to take the money, she has some very interesting kind of like little looks that she gives, and she's very like. You can tell that she's like excited and she's kind of like, you know, Anne Hache is, Anne Hache is a quirky gal, as we know. Yeah. Um, and she's playing this part very like, like kind of flighty. Um, and I remember I had friends at the time who were just like, who said it looked like Anne Hache was just thinking, holy shit, I'm in psycho. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. I think that's. I think that was on purpose. No, it, I think, I, she was I think really it was on purpose. Yeah, just well imbued. And you know, Anne Hache has said on the record that she had not seen the original movie before being offered it. Yeah, that she just and then of course, like as fans. they were as they were making the movie, like she had to really study that film and the performance yeah. and the script. But she wasn't super familiar with the material going into it. Right. I was reading on the wiki page that Nicole Kidman was offered it but 
had to turn it down for scheduling reasons. Oh, holy shit. Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I kind of take that with a grain of salt. But if you really think about it, I mean, Gus Van Sant kind of sent her career in a new yeah, direction. and in a movie like To Die For. Yeah. And it was probably just a scheduling thing just because she was probably still making Eyes Wide Shut with Stanley Kubrick. Right. Oh, man. Nicole would have been amazing. Yeah, she would have been really good. Um, iconic. Yeah. Nicole would have been I would have liked to seen her Marion. Yeah. Great. I mean, would she have done this short of a haircut? I like that Anne Heche kind of has this signature pixie Anne Heche haircut. Especially at the time. At the time, and they kind of incorporated it into this thing because throughout the movie is this bird imagery everywhere. And Anne looks like a little looks like a little sparrow. Anne looks like a little sparrow. Mm-hmm. The character's name is Crane. Norman Bates is it uh, is into taxidermy, mostly birds. There's Audubon. He's stuffing photos birds all around right. the hotel. Yep, there are stuffed birds all over his parlor behind the office. And Anne Heche does look like a, t- a tiny little sparrow on your f- on your little finger. Um, and, yeah, and she talks about, you know, her little kind of short pixie cut. It's a little teeny tiny short little blonde Joyce DeWitt haircut. But they kind of mess it up and tussle it so much that they make it a little like, you know, Woody Woodpecker kind of like mm-hmm. thing going on in the back, very kind of like spiky situation. But they, it kind of all ties into this like bird imagery. I'm wondering if Nicole, how they would have done her hair. Well, clearly, never... well, clearly, that's you not have true. not seen the I movie Birth. That's not true. There's Birth because well, she's also that's in Birth a, with Anne Heche. That's a wig, and also wig. Anne Heche is wearing like probably a wig provided from Nicole's wig. Wig person because she has long hair in that movie and Nicole has short hair and Nicole short. But like, I feel like Nicole's short, short hair in Birth is like a Cersei Lannister like wig. I think that they were going for uh, Mia Farrow and Rose and Mary's, Mary's baby. baby. Yes, but it's it, it's clearly a wig. Clearly a wig, and but and I feel like it looks like Lena Headey. In have the, you ever seen Birth? No, I love Birth. I think Birth no. is a brilliant movie. I think Anne is also really good in Birth. Like, mm-hmm. should have been nominated for an Oscar. I think her character is so interesting, and I love how Anne plays that role. Listeners, watch the movie Birth. It's really, really good. <laughs> or just watch I Know What You Did Last Summer again, because Anne Heche is good in that, too. Almost two movies in a row with Anne Heche. We had to throw one in between. Yeah, we. I mean, this is like our <laughs> Justice for Anne Heche streak. Yeah, yeah. And we love you. I reached out to Anne on Instagram. She's a busy lady. She's a busy gal. Busy gal. I did um, listen to the episode of the podcast where she talks about Ellen. Yes. And Anne Heche has, yeah. Anne Heche, uh, has a podcast currently um, that you can go listen to. Uh, I forgot what it's called. We'll look it up right now. But um, a very recent episode of her podcast. She kind of lays everything on the table about her relationship with Ellen. Yes, yes. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Um, It is called Better Together with Anne and Heather. Uh, yeah, so it's Anne Heche and uh, Heather something, and uh, they have a podcast and a uh, very I recent to, episode. I listened to it on my lunch hour the other day. It was really good. Yes, and so we're very much on board with the uh, Anne Heche being uncanceled. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know that Anne was ever canceled. Well, I think that her, I mean, they go into it that her breakup with Ellen did cost her a lot of work. Yes. Because Ellen was very vocal of, do not work with this woman. That and I will not sucks. promote anything that you have if you make a movie with her. That Which is pretty jacked up. Is awful. And they also talk about on the episode of when Oprah did the 20-year retrospect on OWN where they uh-huh. interviewed Ellen DeGeneres and also Laura Dern mm-hmm. that Anne was cut out of all of it. That <laughs> Anne was there on the Oprah show <laughs> sitting next to Ellen yeah. and they cut all of it. Ugh. And just how shady that is. Like, why? Like, Like, what is that? Her girlfriend was a huge part of her life at that time. Yeah. And they just tried to erase all of it. That's so nuts. Ah, my goodness. I mean, Ellen, whatever. Like... (laughs) And yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Anne's career and personal life at the time that I don't really think you could have compared it to anything. That there was no real high-profile gay relationship to compare it to. Like, there had been nothing like it. They were breaking ground. And that was when she was in the middle of making this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let me say this. And hey, robbed hashtag robbed from that damn mirror ball on dancing with the stars i'm mm. here to tell you oh yeah that's some bullshit i'm here to tell you that was yeah. bullshit and mm-hmm. hey you are robbed you should not have gone home when you did we thought you were great so lame yeah so you know we're all about in here but i mean we're talking about psycho and here we are almost an hour into this episode and we haven't even gotten to the shower so the shower scene is really interesting. <laughs> so like, there's a commentary on our Blu-ray by the editor, Amy E. Duddleston, mm-hmm. that edited this whole movie. And she talks about the shower scene of they cut it together shot by shot. And she says in the commentary that it just didn't work. Like it just did not work as a complete scene of when you put those shots Yeah. After refilming them, and she says it just didn't work. Which is interesting because yeah. obviously it works in the original. But, you know, the original is a, is a movie from 1916. You have that in your head when you're watching it. And she also mentioned that maybe there's just a little bit of editor magic yeah. that it only works when Hitchcock did it. Like, did it. <laughs> and then she said that they just had to put in this crazy imagery of like um, – Okay. Of like – the sky, like I think that there's a cow in there. There's right? like there's like a woman with a mask. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, and I I say this a lot. I don't know if if we've mentioned it in in the podcast or not, but it's this aesthetic that is very much like uh like a nine inch nail. I was going to say it would have been it's found like, in a lot of music videos at the like time. Closer. It's very like Mark Romantic. It's very like you know. Um, you know who directed seven um david fincher david, it's very david fincher and it's you know what it is for those of you who don't understand what i'm talking about it's the opening credits to american horror story yeah it's the sped up and then slowed down and then we weird which is weird we talked a little bit about that on our cell episode Yes, the cell. Yes, that's also something that – yeah. So what they did was they just included these little shots, these just non sequiturs, you know? And yeah, one of them is just like the horizon with the clouds moving really fast and one of them is just like a 
cow. I think that she mentioned that when they were cutting it, the teaser trailer had already came out, and that's what was mm-hmm. in the trailer. So they were just like, I don't know. I guess we'll put it in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, it, it works like for a modern movie. I, I I think it works. You know, whatever. and also you, you get the big difference that it's in color and you're seeing the red blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, shower scene again. This one minute scene. There are actual full feature length documentary movies about. Mm-hmm. This two minute scene. Yeah. So this movie, Psycho, it is that prolific. Probably that entire big, college right? classes. Yes. Taught on this single on scene. Just the scene. There, there are chapters of film history books that talk about just the scenes in Psycho where there is a reflection, mm-hmm. and not even in a mirror, just in a glass window. And our, like that's how yeah. deep shit. This movie goes and this gets, right? shower murder scene just sort of got Hollywood out of the production code of the sixties, yeah. and they just like turned it on said, like this is how we're going to make movies now. Yeah, you're going to yeah. see this woman get murdered on screen. Yeah, but it's again, you know, it's one. Of, I mean, what can we say that hasn't already been said? Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like you don't really see. The knife go into the body, but your mind thinks it does. You know what this movie does that the original doesn't include is this crazy sound effect. And it's... Oh, it's the stabbing. knife stabbing into something. Mm -hmm. It's harsh. Because the original movie doesn't have it. It just... You see the action and you hear the, the strings and the violin and all that and the scream... But in this movie, it's this like, like the knife going into something, and it's mm-hmm. a sound effect, and it sounds, it sounds insane. It sounds awful. It's like ooh, it, it's even more like visceral, and even more like that knife penetrating. I don't know what they're stabbing a melon or a. I think in the cushion I think in the original, it's stabbing a melon. Ooh, yeah, it's 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 crazy, yeah. Um, but there's something a little extra in this one that that makes it more like a real stabbing, like something in there. Um, but it's a crazy scene, and it's our hero, it's Marion Crane that we've been following since the beginning of this movie. The movie's only been going on for 45 minutes, maybe. Yeah, and she is being straight up murdered, cut to bits. We need to talk about Norma Bates and her drag look. I mean. I mean, I even think on the on the commentary they do note of I don't know about that this. Is, that like no I don't know about this. I don't not, know about this choice. That is not no. So Norma's wearing Norma. like a silk, like a silk robe. It's yeah, yeah. It's like a silk robe. A white shake and go wig. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's like half up, half down. Mm-hmm. It's like a half ponytail with like bangs. I do have to say, like. Maybe just kind of rethink the wardrobe here. Yeah. What else do you got? And then they do this thing where like the – and again, it's not Vince. I think it's a woman. Yeah. And the whoever it is is in like like Herman Munster like like dark sure. makeup because they're in shadow, mm-hmm. right? 
But it's weird, you know, and again, we talk about this all the time. You watch this shit on high-def TVs, you're just like, what is going on back there? You never really see them. They're supposed to be in shadow. They're behind the shower curtain, all that stuff. Fleeting shots. But it's one of those things where you're just like, whoo, 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 mm-hmm. what's going on, lady? Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, Norma's, Norma's drag look. Because, again, spoiler alert. We are to think that it is Norma Bates, Norman's mother, who is jealous of his new relationship with, you know, Miss Marion. And you know what's wild about the book is that the book puts you in the mind of Norman and he's thinking about his mother has escaped the house and is running around the countryside. That he's like, mother is like out loose. I'm worried about her. I hope that she gets home okay. Oh so in the book, she's just like a crazy feral woman. Yeah, just like, like it's kind of ramped up that he's Ooh. living with this senile woman oh, that is scary. out running around the countryside. Uh, that's scary. Yeah, which is even creepier. Yeah, like Grandma Flanders. Mm-hmm. Hello, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the book is an easy read. It like it'll only take you like an afternoon. It's like yeah. 130 pages. I was thinking that I, I was confused when i originally said robert block because i was like isn't it like some crazy italian dude but it's the uh screenwriters joe stefano yes who robert, adapted robert block Psycho. wrote the script for straight jacket with joan love it mm-hmm. love it oh my goodness so you know the shower scene crazy it's a feat of filmmaking. We never talked about uh, Vince Vaughn jerking off. Right. That's a ve- I mean, it's that's talked about with everybody. With people that hate on this movie, they always mention the jerk-off scene. Yes. You know, he's got this little pinhole in the wall that he can see through. It's the same painting that he takes down, too. I can't remember the name of it. Yes. Um, I actually remember the name of the painting. What is it? Because... Don't ask me why. Because you're a movie nerd. What is it? Fucking weird. It's called The Rape of the Sabines. Okay. I, yeah. Steel Trap up here for something. What did I have for breakfast today? I mean. I had a sausage it, muffin with egg. But. It has to show up in like a pub trivia round. It never will. No it one never will, will ever it should. ask in pub trivia what is the name of the painting that Norman Bates pulls down to spy on Marion Crane. But if they ever do, listeners, it's called The Rape of the Sabines. Um. And you can take that to the bank. Uh, I didn't even have to look it up. But uh, there's a pinhole behind the painting that he spies right into Marion's bathroom. And Norman in the original just looks, puts the painting back, walks away. And in this movie, slaps it. Norman just sorts of slaps Norman it. needs a release of everything that he's feeling. He had quite the conversation. Yeah, he had quite the intense conversation that ended very uh, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that Norman just needs to get it out. Norman just needs to have some sort of a... Get it out of his system. get Get it out of his system, yes. And does he murder her because he's just so disgusted and ashamed with himself? Because he just did that? Because he just did that? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I see it. I get it. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. Um It makes total sense that it's yeah. in the, that it's in the remake. Yeah. Fine. It's fine. Whatever. I'm I, I'm I'm not upset. 
but something that people do latch onto of a single scene that they don't like. Oh, because people just want to clutch their pearls. It's like, oh, what he can he can fucking stab her to death and like nearly like disembowel her, but the minute he touches his dick, he's like a horrible person. What? Yeah. Come on. He's Norman Bates. What is going on here? Like this is no, no. He's yeah, fine, whatever. He he jerked off while he was looking at her through the mirror. Through the through through the pinhole. I mean, this is the gag of the movie. If you don't know what's going on, you're watching Marion, your hero. She's just stolen all this money. She's driving to to go get that Vince Vaughn ass. And uh, and she's fucking killed. She's murdered right in front of our very eyes. He wraps her up in the shower curtain, throws her in the back of her car, gets all of her stuff from the hotel room, including the newspaper, the Los Angeles Times, in which she has wrapped up all four hundred thousand dollars, three hundred, three hundred ninety. Seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, because you bought he, that car. He puts that plot device right in the back of the trunk and right. sinks it in the pond. Um, but yeah, the the four hundred the four hundred thousand gets buried with Norm with uh, with Marion bottom bottom of the lake. All right, so now we've gotten to the Julianne Moore portion. All right. of the movie, I. I mean, I love Julianne Moore. Love she's her. one of my all-time favorite actresses. Gem. And, she, yes. like, treasure, treasure. Like, totally deserved Oscar for Still Alice. She's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. But I love her, Lila, in this movie. Lila Crane, she plays Marion's sister. Works at a record store. She works at a record store. Played by Vera Miles in the original. I really like Vera Miles in the original. Vera Miles is beautiful. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She looks like Linda Evangelista. Wearing a beautiful wig. Wearing in a that original movie. Wig. I always marvel at that wig. And when I look at like the this, this like the hair like, set, the wig like the wig line, and yeah. that is just perfection. It's beautiful. Uh, Vera Miles was very famously dismissed from Vertigo because she got knocked up by Alfred Hitchcock because she got knocked up and could not play the role that was later made famous by Kim Novak. But Alfred Hitchcock said, Hey, I know I gave you the boot because he had that kid who needs him. It may have been a weird contract thing that he had to work with her. Yes. So they brought her back and now she is Lila Crane, Marion's sister. And in the original, she works at a music store. Sure. She doesn't work at a record store. But in this version, she works at a record store. And in this version, Julianne Moore has gone on record as saying that there is, quote, no character to Lila Crane. Yes. That there's nothing there. I disagree. Yeah. I I, think there's something there. Well, I think that she said, and they also mentioned on the commentary of that, Lila's kind of a pushover that is not very driven, which I disagree too. Yeah. I think that Vera Miles plays her that she yeah. needs to get to the bottom of this bullshit and, and find again, her sister. Again, like Marion, a single woman. She She's not deferring to a man. She's just like, my sister is missing. I need to find her. I know you think that this is all about that money. I don't give a fuck about that money, but my sister's missing and we're going to find her. And you, Sam Loomis, her boyfriend, you, we're, we're going to figure this out. So you and me, let's go, let's go fucking make this work, right? Do Anne and Gus 
kind of talk about Julianne's yes, choices. They do. And Anne's like, oh, total lesbian. <laughs> like, she's, she's, this bitch ain't playing this character straight. Yeah. And I love Julie's, I call her Julie just Julie. because, yeah, like, Julie. we tight. And she I'm, goes by Julie. And she goes by Julie. Yeah. Her walk in this movie, she has, like, her, her keys on her belt. She has her keys on her belt loop. She, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is stock lesbian character. Introduced with her um with her Walkman and her she takes out her earbuds when she it, walks into Sam's. These are not earbuds. Shop. This is nineteen ninety eight. I mean Don't not forget, earbuds, I meant this is Sony her, This is her Sony headphone. Yeah. Walkman, the yellow one. The little yellow one with the little they were earbuds. They went in your ear. It, like yeah. they went in your ear. Yeah. For, for, they went right over your head. Yeah. In yeah. the 90s, those were like, what are these? You want me to stick these inside my ears? That would have been a, that would have been a nice set of yeah. headphones for 98. They were, there's, I mean, first of all, Sony. Like the Sony Walkmans were the shit. Because Sony was like the end of the line when it came to Walkmans. Right? The sport line were amazing because they were quote unquote waterproof. And then when they came out with these ones that had the in-ear little... I had a pair. Like, yep. earbuds, as we mm-hmm. call them now. That was like, what? Yeah, so those were nice. Um, so her character is, she works at a record store. She's all about, you know, like, she's she's like a rock and roll chick, right? And is she was she a riot girl? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Does she like the Luna chicks? Possibly. <laughs> is she into L7? Definitely. Um, but I also think, side note, I also think that Julianne Moore's hair in this movie is kind of like a Rachel cut. I mean, it's what, at the end of the day, Julianne Moore's hair was at this time that she probably arrived to set with this length of hair. At the end of the day, it's a Rachel cut. It's a Rachel cut. (laughs) It's the same, I mean, it's the same hair that she has in like Magnolia. It's the like parted down the middle, Mm -hmm. like shoulder length. And also, it's like it's cute. Julianne it's Moore cute. at this time was just like banging him out. Yeah, she was. The the roles that she had after The Lost World and Boogie Nights, yeah. it was like bam, 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 bam. Like made them all back to back. I mean, this movie has some like cool actor cred. I mean, it's got some Jurassic Park cred because we've yeah. got Vince Vaughn, Julianne Moore, and my buddy Bill Macy. Oh, yeah, that's right. But we've also got the uh, P.T. Anderson, you know, Bill Macy and mm-hmm. Julian Moore. Like these people that worked with each other. These a lot guys the time. are like the cool kid actors. And it's Not one kid, of they're and old, it's one of those things that even cool if Julie was maybe a little cautious of doing a remake of Psycho, right. when Gus calls you up on the phone yeah. and is like Julie. Do you want to come for a couple days worth of work and be Lila and Psycho? Yeah. I kind of think you have to do it. And I think William H. Macy was of the same mindset. I think he was just like, fuck, why not? William H. Macy seems to me like, A, an actor. Yeah. Like, not a movie star. Mm-hmm. An actor. And B, somebody who's just like, yeah, who cares? Like, what it's fucking it's a movie it's psycho why would i not want to be in that? it's a great character it's yeah. an iconic scene yeah um william h macy the character that he plays oh my god mr arbogast mr arbogast the private detective this oh man the original actor who i love 
Um, did he do a lot of Twilight Zones? Uh, he did. He did a lot of stuff. I um, will say about the Arbogast murder scenes. Uh-huh. I think that the shower scene rightfully talked up one of the great scenes of movie history. Right. I think the scariest scene of the entire yeah. movie is, when is Arbogast, Arbogast going up the stairs. Yeah. And still to this day, when I watch when I watch this movie, yeah. and Norma comes out and stabs him from above. From above, yeah. it's so scary. Crazy. And you see that that knife go right on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, Martin Balsam plays uh, Arbogast in the uh, original. And Martin Balsam was in St. Elmo's Fire. How wild is that? Who is he in St. Elmo's Fire? I have He's no memory Mayor, of this. Mayor Winningham's like, dad. He's the one that hates Rob Lowe? Yes. Okay. Wow. Crazy. Joel Schumacher knew what was up when he cast so him. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just nuts to me that like somebody... like. Demi Moore and Rob Lowe were in a movie with somebody that was in Psycho. Like, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? Um, but, I mean, 1985, that's only 30, you know, 25 years later. Like, It's just a just kind of a man in his 70s yeah. or late, six, late 60s late probably because that's yeah. how, like, people age yep. back then. Totally. Totally. Um, so, okay. So, Lila Crane. She is the sister. She's worried. She goes straight to, to Sam. She's gotten wind of all, like, everything with the money, and mm-hmm. she just wants to track Marion down, because yeah. hopefully, if they return all of the money... They're not going to press charges. They're not going to press charges, and she'll lose her job, but that will be the worst yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just want, we just want to find her. Um, and I love how Vigo plays these scenes. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of playing Sam as, like, a big dummy. Yeah. He's kind of playing him as a himbo. Yeah. I love it. And also just and Sam's wardrobe. Oh my god. I was going to say Vigo Mortensen and this urban cowboy look. These especially that when I get older, I think it's so fucking sexy. These action slacks that he's wearing, get the fuck. Out he of is me. so fine. Pearl and snap with shirts. his pearl and snap shirt. Oh god. His and yeah, they're like action slacks. Yeah. So they're sort of like jeans but not really. They're cut like jeans but they're not made of denim. It's stuff that my grandpa Youngbauer would have worn. Yeah. You wear they're cut like jeans but they're made of like polyester and you wear them with the cowboy boot. Yeah, and just Vigo being oh like God. over six foot and slim, and is just like filling out these pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And so he's playing this character like a himbo, and he has no idea that Lila is has like zero, like and not that Lila would be interested in him or that he's like hey I'm going to fuck Lila too but he's just like all right like let's like let's do this like let's like become like private detectives or whatever and Lila's just she has zero time for him mm-hmm. she has 0.00 like time energy effort she's just like I have you, to make it, I have to make it to Lilith Fair in a month. You are an idiot. We need to wrap this shit we up. We gotta get this shit together because I've got fucking tickets to go see Sarah McLaughlin and you are not coming. And he's just very much like, Hey, hey lady, like let's do this. Let's go find let's go find Marion, man. And she's just like, Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
But again, they're working with the script where he's just like Sam Loomis played by. Oh, it's hold on. Yeah. I should know this. And he just passed away like last year. John Gavin. John Gavin. Yep. Sam Loomis played by John Gavin is kind of treating Lila Crane very much like a hysterical woman, you know, like I'll talk to Arbogast, like we'll go out and find, you know, Arbogast never, never called us back. And he's, I trust him, you know, but he's just like, no, no, no lady. Like we, we got this shit. And she's just, you know, it's there in the script, but Julianne is like, stop talking. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Come back here. Yeah. No harbor gas, no baits. Only the old lady at home. Sick old lady unable to answer the door. Or unwilling. Where could he have gone? Maybe he had definite leave. Maybe he went right on ahead and without calling me? In a hurry. Honestly, I mean called when he had nothing, nothing but a dissatisfied feeling. Don't you think he would have called if he had anything at all? Yeah, I think you would have. Let's go see Al Chambers. Who's he? He's our deputy sheriff around here. Let me get my Walkman. Ah, oh, iconic. I love it. <laughs> if you're going to add <laughs> any line to this movie <laughs> in 1998, <laughs> let me go get my Walkman. So good. I always die whenever I hear that line. I mean, it's so good. Dead, buried in the ground. In the original, she says, Let me get my hat. I think let me get my pocketbook or something. I don't know. I think she I don't she says hat or bag or something. I, it has to be hat. Because if it was pocketbook, they would have just said purse. <laughs> but do you Walkman. think it's, do you think it's one of those things that when they're on set and they were thinking about the line and they're just like, Do you think we should do it? I think we should do it. Let's do it. I think it would be really funny. <laughs> I think they were totally aware of just how it's, silly it was. It's crazy. Because <laughs> one of the only other lines that they changed was Arbogast saying, if it's not... If it doesn't gel, it's it not jello. If No, he says in the original movie, if it doesn't gel, it's not aspic. Oh sure, and they added Jello, but they changed Cause it to Jello because what the fuck is what aspic? the fuck is, what, what the what the hell is that? Yeah. yeah, an aspic is a Jello mold, and it's one of those things that a I immediately jello I immediately want to if it doesn't gel, it's not Jello, just because now I'm mixing up the two scripts yeah. in my mind. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. it's it's almost I think yeah. that Arbogast says that in the original. In the original, because that makes sense. As yeah, a saying mm-hmm. if it doesn't gel, it's not Jello. That sounds right. But if it doesn't gel, it's not aspic. Aspic is fucking gross. What it's, is it? It's a savory Jello mold. Okay. So they would. So do, it's not sweet, but it's right. like. So savory. they would do Jello molds with like tuna salad and Ugh. like tomatoes and stuff. Ugh. But with but with a plain gelatin. Julie Moore <laughs> and just her characterization of Lila, I I think iconic. Love it. Love Especially it. if you're just a huge fan of Julianne Moore. Yeah. It's just like, I love that she just got the script and is just like, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to make her a fabulous butch lesbian. Yeah. Love with it. a Rachel haircut. Um, but now, yeah, is, it, is it the movie. scene with Bill Macy that he notices uh, 
Marion Marion's like signature in the book that you get that shot of his neck. Yeah. See now they Very do that in the original, but there's something of how Vince cocks his neck in this movie, and you could really see just sort of his five o'clock shadow on his yeah. neck. Yeah. Like it's such a sensual shot. <laughs> like even though it's like yeah. he does that in the original, but there's something here that you're just like, oh. Yeah. It's almost close. All right. closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting shot because, yeah, he's like, oh, she signed the guest book, Mary Samuels. Mary Samuels, yes. And her boyfriend's name is Sam. Sam Loomis. So that's prob that's her. I always notice I always notice Michael Scott is the person that check is was the person that the last person that was checked the last in. person that checked in. <laughs> Michael Scott from the office. You know, he was just in town, just selling some paper. But yeah, I love that shot. So, you know, we, we talked about our big ass getting slashed by, by Norma. Yeah. Such a great scene. Great scene. Crazy scene. Some interesting special effects of him falling down the stairs, like he's yeah. on some harness. Well, I mean, that, that gets pulled down. Uh, wasn't very, it, very crazy. Um, I mean, there's that scene in The Omen by Richard Donner that they mm-hmm. do a, a scene that's similar to that, mm-hmm. that they do when uh, oh, Lee Richard. Grant falls off of the balcony. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Richard Donner. Richard Donner. Yeah. Great director, man. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, they also put in the inserts in that shot when Norma comes down and starts stabbing him, mm-hmm. and I think that the editor says in the commentary that if they were to linger on Norma for just like a second or two longer, mm-hmm. it just got a little too silly. So yeah. she said that they had to put yeah. the inserts there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very interesting, but a very scary scene. Um, and yeah, so Lila's just like, all right, you know, what the hell? Arbogast is now he's gone to what the fuck? They end up going to the town sheriff. This stuff with the town sheriff. Played by Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Like who again another P. T. Anderson. P. T. Anderson yeah. staple. Yeah. And um I love that scene with that old lady who's in one of my favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and also in Mrs. Doubtfire. She is the yes. she is like she's social worker. She's the social worker. I love that actress. She puts a little bit of frosting. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I when I was last watching her Golden Girls episode, she's having surgery with Dorothy and she's kind of this inspiration to Dorothy of just like I've been I've been going through this like you can do it. Sure. And I was reading on her IMDb that her husband died, her kids were grown up and I think that she had done acting and she was just like, you know, I'm just going to move out to Los Angeles and just like become an actress really? in my older years. And I she did it. I love that. And I love that. Yeah. Her name is Anne Haney. Mm-hmm. And you, listeners, you know. You know who she is. You know Anne Haney. She, she has been. But yeah, that's her Anne. deal is that like her husband passed away and I she's just it. like, life's too short. I want to do something that makes me happy. And, and how about that? She had a career. Yeah. And I'm going to go out to Hollywood and be an actress. I mean, Homegirl has 124 credits on IMDb. And I think that she had worked back in the day when she was married, but she really decided to put herself out there more when she got older. Oh, my God. And, and the thing about Anne Haney is that. In the Golden Girls in what, 85, 87, 86, whatever, yeah. whatever season she was on, she looked like an old lady. She died in 2001. She was 67. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she would have been like in her late 40s when she made that. Yes. What the hell? 
You guys, oh my goodness, that's insane. And Haney. People used to age differently. People aged differently back in the day. That is nuts. Wild. Love you, Anne. Love you, Annie. She was even in Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. I remember that episode. But yeah, she is the, she's I, the sheriff. I love when she gets on the phone with the operator. Sarah. Sarah, connect me to the Bates <laughs> Motel. Like that oh and especially like especially like when you watch an old movie, so there's yeah. just certain things that you just sort of accept mm-hmm. that this is an old movie. That's what you did when you called the yeah. operator. Yeah. Is that realistically you could just say, Connect me to this place and done. And I yeah. like that in just the year ninety eight. Talking to the operator by name, maybe in a small, yeah. And when you pick up the phone and hit zero, and it's like, yeah, you get yeah. The, you get Sarah. But I love that though. The but company. it's that it's those weird moments yeah. in this contemporary movie that I love. Yeah. Of just sort of these weird throwback moments. Yeah. It just, that when you see yeah. actors in '98 doing it, it's just it adds this interesting layer. Yeah. It's that quirky. It's kind of. I love it, it still has this. It still has this footstep. Uh, it still has this foot stuck in the past. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Um, but this is where the sheriff is like, oh, all y'all are talking about this old lady oh, girl. running around. I got I got news for you. But guess what? She she dead. She dead. We already been new. She is in the ground. There's no I helped Norman pick out her funeral dress. Periwinkle Peri- blue. Periwinkle blue. There is no Mrs. Bates. Who all these people that said, "Oh, you saw the old lady?" No, wrong. Yeah. So uh, I don't. I don't know what you heard, Tootsie Lou, but um, Norman's out there by himself. So now Lila and Sam are like, "Okay, we're going." So they go. I love what they dress, both oh Vigo God. and oh Julian. Oh my God. He's when I was a kid, I was obsessed He's with this nice. shirt that oh, it's beautiful. Julianne Moore's wearing. It's, it's this it. black and white, like like crazy design. It's like, how, like a it's like a kitchen floor, but like a psychedelic version. Like a mm-hmm. like Take it a like black and white kitchen out. floor, but like, but twist it, spiral it. It reminds me of those things that you would yeah. get, those kits that you would use like a pencil and you would stencil it a in spir- a circle. A, a spirograph? Spi- a spirograph. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Yeah. This, like, this is almost the shirt that when there was a note with the costume designer mm-hmm. of that, you need to make this a little more 90s. Yeah. She's like, all right, this is what I got. Gotcha. Yeah. This, it's like, yeah. Um, it's like from like. The D-Light yard sale. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, and Vigo's shirt is really cute, too. Yeah. Vigo's shirt is really fun in this scene. It's like it's like really cool colors. I like the color combination together, you know, that he's wearing in this scene. Um, but so they decide that they're going to go to the Bates Motel. Check in as man and wife. Check in as man and wife. Do you know what's interesting I about like Psycho 2? Because I actually – and that's my thing about the Psycho legacy. I'll say, mm-hmm. I say the Psycho legacy. I actually like all of the movies. <laughs> they're fun. Like I they're think fun. they're all – like there's yeah. fun things to be said about all of them. Mm-hmm. In Psycho 2, um, Lila ends up marrying Sam. Makes that, sense. So sort Makes of these sense. characters do yeah. end up getting married. Even though she's just like this guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna happen in, Not the, in, this version. in the Gus Van Sant Psycho 2 version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the Vera Miles. Yeah. 
So it's just sort of in canon. Yeah. If you're gonna Vera watch Miles the and sequel, John Gavin, they'll that, get married. That yeah. like these two end up getting together in yeah. the sequel. And let me tell you this: if we haven't already said, also John Gavin. Also a hunk. Very handsome. Look him I, up. I take the money and run for John. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, both versions of both versions of Marion Crane, they they got their shit together. They got their lives together with, with Sam Loomis. Um, and if we haven't already mentioned it, the name Sam Loomis. This is the this is where Dr. Loomis in Halloween. And also Billy Loomis from Scream. Billy Loomis and Scream, yeah. This movie has just gone on to spawn all of these horror movie characters with these names. Um, So they're checking in as man and wife to the Bates Motel. And I love the wink that Julie gives Vince. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, very subtle. And when... Uh, when Marion came to the hotel, he was like, bitch, you're getting room one. Yeah. I'm going to look right into your bathroom and watch you pee. Uh, but these two, he's like 12 rooms, 12 vacancies. Here's room 12 bitches. Get the hell out of my face. And I love (laughs) the look on Julie's face when she's just like, I'll go on ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, I'm going. Grabs the key, takes off. Yeah, they have this very like subtle but not subtle at all mm-hmm. kind of like thing. Like they're both having these weird moments with Norman. Yeah, that are totally separate. And it's one of those things that you don't get that in the first. Movie. Oh no, not at like, all. Like you don't yeah. get that in the original. No, no, no. That no. you just get these weird layers with these actors yeah. in the script. Yeah, because that's the thing they. Lila and Sam don't know each other, but they're like, well, we got to do this for, for Marion to find her. So they go, but they're just like, I, we, neither of us know what we're and doing. they're both zeroing in on Norman yep. that we have yep. to figure this out. Yeah. And I will do anything yeah. to, to like get down to the bottom of this. Yeah. So they go off to their room to check it. And I love that there's, there's a, a couple of weird little things about like staying in a hotel that are just not a thing anymore. Checking in just with cash and no credit card. Checking in without a credit card. There's weird dialogue about like... Checking oh, well, without luggage. We don't have luggage, so doesn't that mean we have to pay up front? Who gives a fuck? Like, hotels do not care about that mm-hmm. shit anymore. Um, yeah, it's a little stuff like that. But, but also whatever. just holdovers of you, yeah. if you were traveling yeah. in the 50s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do this thing where they're like, we're going to go check in, but now we're going to, now we're just going to take a walk and now we're going to like, and you go distract him while I break into this hotel room. When she walks away, when they're in there, just open up the door and just look inside briefly. Yeah. Just to see if it's open. Yeah. Yeah. She fully does. Yep. Does she do that in the original? I don't don't think think she does. I don't think so. I don't think that Vera Miles would be be that bold. No. No. And, um... Yeah, we have to get to the scene where Vigo goes to talk to Norman. Yeah. Because, yeah, when they're just talking to each other, it's... And like we mentioned very that interesting. it's a very... Um, it. I think the original scene does have some queer subtext in it that yeah. you really can't describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really ramp it up here. I think so. Yeah. 
And I think that a lot of that is is probably Vigo. Like I'm gonna get real close. Like um, you yeah, know, yeah. Like he's gonna try to shake this guy down. Yeah, yeah. Acting acting choices. Yeah, he's kind of like distracting Norman while Lila goes to like search the house. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing, and they mention it on the commentary with the editor of. This is when the editor was like, okay, so this is really when me as an editor in 98, that yeah. you're yeah. piecing this movie together that was yeah. made in 96. Yeah. There are certain scenes of, uh, or yeah, like 1960, mm-hmm. that there are certain parts of this movie that when you look at this movie through a contemporary lens, that you're seeing Lila walk at the bottom yeah. of this hill and walk all the, all way. the way up. <laughs> and if you were doing the scene now, you would just cut to Lila at the doorstep. Yeah. But that's just not yeah. how Hitchcock made, movies. made movies back then. So you have to follow Julie at the bottom of the hill looking at the house, this imposing house. And we haven't really talked about the redesign of the house because it's it's a little like English manor. Yeah. It's and a from little what I understand hall. is that the original house is behind it, and they just put up a facade. A facade. Yeah. Um, I remember doing they the – They built three walls. Yep. I remember just, doing the Universal tour around the year 2000, and they had this house up. And I was crazy, so excited I it, yeah. when they did it. Yeah. I, I thought that was so cool yeah. that you could see both houses. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that I was the only person on that tour that really appreciated that. Yeah. That you saw the perspective of both. You know, when you're on the Universal Backlot Tour yeah. and you go past the cycle, it's so small. It's so small it's and quaint. It's teeny. It's a little dollhouse. So I was doing some, like, Nancy Drew of Drag research on that house <laughs> on the Backlot <laughs> Tour. Um, we like to think that is the house from the 1960 movie. Oh, hell no. It is not. No, because it's from sets were not built to last no, decades no, in the Los Angeles elements. That's just not really – I mean, it was yeah. probably, like, scrapped just because yeah. they didn't think they were ever going to use it. I think that is the house from Psycho 3. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Psycho, that makes the most sense. Psycho 3 with the runaway nun. <laughs> Who's played by um, Christina from Mommy Dearest. Uh, Diana Scarwig. Diana Scarwig, yep. Uh, movies that made us all-star, Diana Scarwig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like, the I love doing that portion of the Backlot Tour. I think it's so cool. They just have this 20-year-old look-alike Norman, Norman that is just always standing out there with a fake knife with a fake knife or like holding up like the body that he's putting in the trunk yep. and that's just his job yep like living the dream <laughs> if i moved to, if i moved out to la and that was my first gig i would i mean can you imagine what if we were at a bar and we're like hey what do you do what do you do i'm i'm norman bates on the Backlot tour. Backlot tour. And I would be like, oh, work. I would buy you a drink, bitch. I remember if you're Norman Bates on a backlot tour. I remember on the tour, the um, Universal tour guide saying that when Jim Carrey was making some movie on the lot, probably like Man in the Moon, that when he was bored on his lunch hour, he would just go (laughs) to the Psycho House and dress up as Norma and just run out and scare people. (laughs) Like when they drove by the house, I would lose my. I would be like, wait. Wait, is it? That's Jim Carrey. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's just like when you're going up to the house on the tram, you passed Whoville. Yeah, you passed That's these the like sun dried. Yeah, 
how the Grinch this, like crack Christmas fuck sets dry, and then ass. you go right through yeah. <laughs> the psycho set, and then from the psycho set you go to the war of the world, war of the world plane, plane crash. <laughs> yeah, they're right there next to each other. Oh well, what are you gonna do? But the the Bates Motel set is like it's a one to one ratio. When you drive past it on the on that backlot tour, yeah. you're there. Yeah, I've seen this shit enough. I'm like, oh girl, I'm here. Um, and I don't know when they made the 1960 movie if they did it on that exact spot. location, yeah, but they did it on that hill though. Yeah, but when they did the sequels, that's when they put that shit there. Um, so I mean, and those sequels are. 30, 35 years old now? I don't know. How old are those sequels? I think that they did Psycho 2 in 83. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And the big thing is is that it had been over 20 years. Going on 40 years? Since Norman had been out of... Yeah. I think Norman served 20 years. Yeah. The sequels are crazy, but they're their own thing. Crazy, but very watchable. Yes, yes. So, you know, Lila walks up to the house... She rifles through Norma's bedroom. The bedroom stuff is cool. It's yeah. scary. There's mm-hmm. some scary stuff when she's in that room and she sees like her reflection in the mirror. You see the you see those hands. The gold hands. The gold hands, yep. Uh you know, the indent in the bed. All that stuff. And another weird layer Spooky. that really isn't in the original of when she goes in Norman's bed. Kid bedroom. This kid bedroom. And it's a little more sad. There's toys. It's a little more sad. And yeah. there's this weird pornography Yeah, that she finds. Well, she finds like 70s porno magazines mm-hmm. in this version. In the original, she pulls out big volumes that look like encyclopedias. And she, op- and she f- thumbs through them. And she kind of makes some faces like, uh. but IMDb trivia, there's like a thing about like Victorian porn or something that they would be sure. bound I mean, in these it, like leather bound books. It kind of makes sense that they would put in yeah. like know. 60s porno. Yeah. In this that. version, okay, yeah. Sure. In this version, it's like straight up, it's just. She pulls out like honcho or whatever, but like in the original, I, I wish that she found like an old back I issue of honcho. I would, I would love that. Dead, yeah. Um, but yeah, in the original she pulls out. It looks like an encyclopedia, but but Vera Miles makes like a face, like ah, uh, like she's scandalized. So yeah, was it porn? Who knows? But it is in this version. So Norman back down the hill finally figures it out that <sighs> Lila. Has gone to the house and is uh, looking for his mom. Fully fractures Sam Loomis's cranium with a golf club. Yeah. Because he hits him in the face with a golf club, <laughs> which would just break your entire face. But, okay, makes it back to the house. Uh, Lila hides in, like, the basement stairs. And now it just straight up turns into Silence of the Lambs, and I kind of love it. So, um, I think Rick Baker... Rick Baker... Did he make... The Norma did the Norma love it. Dummy love it. Yeah, it's good. It's good in this version. Yeah, it's Rick, good in the old version. Rick Baker did it. Let me tell you that when my parents, your parents, people comment on seeing Psycho back in the day and the reveal of 
Norm's body. Gag. Being. Gag of the century. The gag. The face crack of the century. Remember my stepdad mentioning. Yeah. Seeing Don's Psycho when he was like a, like a small child. Yeah. My mom talked about revivals. Yep. Revivals in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And just being like, oh, they would play Psycho in the theater. They just they just would. And you would, and we went. And it I was think just that, scary as fuck. I think that Don was... My stepdad was young enough to in probably seen it. Of course, he was as a small child yeah. in 1960. Yeah, and it blew people's socks off. Oh, people lost their damn minds. They lost their fucking minds. It was scary as shit. I want to say okay. So I'm trying to put myself when I was around. Like I probably saw the original Psycho when I was like nine. Yeah, I don't think I knew the ending. Okay. So I I think it was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those things that now Psycho is like it's like King Kong. It's like Indiana Jones. It's one of those things where Norma Bates the body turning around and and Vera Miles screaming. It's just part of Hollywood. Yeah. You know. And it's those these iconic images, images of yeah, movies, yeah. And that's what this, and that's what Psycho from 1960 is now. Um, when Norman comes in in full drags, Butch Queen, first time in drag at a yeah. ball. It's a little, and that's when <laughs> when uh, if I was probably doing wardrobe tests with yeah. the normal look, that yeah. I would probably be like, so. What else you got? Maybe we won't do this like mm-hmm. silk charmeuse crepe de chine. And it's one of those things that I'm sure that when they screen this uh, at movie theaters opening night, like people laughed because it's kind of a silly. Well, and that's the other thing too yeah. that I keep saying. Vince Vaughn is a big fucking dude. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I'm coming out in this like crepe de chine. This like six foot four. How <laughs> yeah. how tall is Vince Vaughn? Six four, dude. Yeah. He's huge. He's a big Frankenstein of a guy. Yeah. So yeah, that's the other thing. It's that like Anthony Perkins is a little bit smaller, more slight of a guy. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. But you know, whatever. It is I love what it is. that it's shot of Julie kicking him in the head. Yes, bitch. Yep. Yes. She like I don't know what I like to think that she's wearing Doc Martens, but she's not. <laughs> steel I like to think that she's wearing steel toed Doc Martens that are like a work boots that are like ruby red and kicks him in the head. <laughs> but yeah. She would wear she would wear the cherry. The ox blood. She mm-hmm. would wear the ox blood Doc Martens, of course. Of course she would. With white laces. No, not with white laces. She would wear the black. But kind of badass that you get Lila to have this this like moment where she kicks Norman in the head. Yes. Queen. You wouldn't have seen that in the original. No, not at all. She just, yeah. She screamed. And now we get Robert Forster. Oh, Robert Forster, oh. R.I.P. I had you sit down and watch all of Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. A few months ago, and he would have followed this what up. A with, chore. He would have followed this up. I mean, he would have followed Jackie Brown up with this. Yeah, I remember at the New Beverly, Quentin Tarantino's movie house, when he died, they had like a marathon of Robert Forrester movies, and they played this. Mm. And I regret not going. Yeah, I'd love to see this in the in a movie theater again. They've showed it twice. I remember they did it at the twenty year. I think at the New Beverly. New Beverly, okay. And then they Cute. showed it when Robert Forrester passed away. Well, good for Quentin to be like, yeah, well, I think fucking that, show. I think that Quentin Tarantino has gone on the record psycho? saying that he's like us, that he thinks yeah. this movie is kind of great. Yeah. It's fucking cool, man. 
It's it's cinema. Come on, it's not that serious. It's fucking a, it's cinema. It's a movie, and it's it's one of those things that will kind uh. of wrap up this episode of the type of movies that when you say to people that you like a certain movie and you get a very vocal and visceral reaction of them yeah. of yeah oh no you are wrong yeah like that is garbage and you just kind of have to stick with it and it's one of those things that whenever people ask that question of what's the movie that everybody hates but you love and i always say gus van sant psycho <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing it's like like i said this movie's existence does not negate Exactly. Alfred Hitchcock. And we get that we're in the weird minority, that a majority of people do not care for this movie. But you know what? It has this weird place in pop culture that this movie came out at a very specific time in Hollywood where they just had a spare $40 million to Gus Van Sant that was just like, sure, we'll trust you to make this like – Brian Grazer. Pretty much like an art movie made by a major studio. Yeah. Brian Grazer was just high off of his, like, like hair product fumes for that, like, spiky, got-to-be-glued, like, hair gel that he uses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know about... You, you're familiar with Brian Grazer's... Oh, of like, course. Amazing hair. Sure. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... This could never get done today. No. But again, it's like it's this crazy like art project slash I don't know, like fun. Movies like this still get made. Yeah. I mean, they remade the Manchurian candidate with Janet Lee mm-hmm. in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty well received. Yeah. And it's one of those things that they didn't give it the shit that Gus Van Sant Psycho got. Right. Or um John Favreau's The Lion King, which is right. a beat for beat remake of the lion king it is it really is that i mean i would rather put in my blu-ray for (laughs) psycho than to sit down and watch all of the lion king (laughs) and it's like disney has a high profile remake every single year yeah 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 uh but there's just something to be said for the attempt to do it in this manner to use the script to use the shots and it's not a hundred percent shot for shot the very first scene of the movie in the hotel room it's not the same shot and we've talking and we've talking about the weird gay elements of the story julianne moore's (laughs) iconic lesbian portrayal vigo mortensen just being slamming as sam yeah the kind of the queer aspects of vince vaughn that have been kind of ramped up in this version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of subtext with these characters. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not going to go too much into the, you know, what is made of Norman and the cross dressing yeah. and all of that, because that's, that's like a whole nother yeah, podcast whole other thing. But, you know, I would say just, just watch the opening scene to to see that. See that ass. 1998 Viggo Mortensen ass. See that ass. That is that, a hard body. That like 16-year-old Scott got a copy of this VHS and would just pause it on that scene. That is a hard body. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. I mean, shit. 
The Vigo Mortensen, man. He's a he's a good looking dude. Get out of here. Can't can't go wrong. But yeah, I think this movie's fun. I think it also made me it. discover all of the Gus Van Sant movies that True. I had yeah, yeah. seen Good Will Hunting before this movie, and I think that's probably what really piqued that's my your interest intro in it. Intro to Gus Van Sant. It was my like, intro hey, to Gus Van yeah, Sant, and yeah. then I rented Drugstore Crap. And then I rented Drugstore Cowboy. I rented um, my own private Idaho. But, I mean, just definitely a moment that I always remember watching that Mm -hmm. movie. And then, I mean, Gus Van Sant has made movies like Milk. Just, like, critically acclaimed movies about gay historical figures. So, yeah. Definitely has, like, a place in queer film history. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gus, Gus is... I mean, he broke down a lot of barriers for queer, queer filmmakers and queer subject matter. Yeah. An out gay yeah. mainstream movie director. All right. We better wrap this yeah, shit up. I think it's it's getting late it here. Up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, shit. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been uh, one hell of a ride. But before we go, it's time for some Patreon shoutouts. Yay, Patreon shoutouts. It's that time. Let's see. Here we are. Patreon shoutouts. We would love to say hello to all of our wonderful patrons. Starting with, we're going to go in reverse order this time. Rafino, Christine, Nick, and Shannon. John, Jessica, Melinda, Jim, Aaron, Emily, Josh, Don, Genevieve, Jimmy, Drew, Jamie, Paul, Muffy, Muffy, Heather, Charlie, Michael, Jacob, Merle, Shelby, Layton, and Amy. You guys. Thank you for being a Thank you so much for being a patron. You should Thank check, you so much. You should check it out. www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. And when you're a patron, when you subscribe to us on Patreon, uh, if you have a request and we have a hole in the schedule, I would love to get to it. Yes, I know indeed. that one of our patrons would like us to do Truth or Dare. So it's oh, one of those things oh that I've been trying to work in the schedule. Yeah, we'll get to it. There for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's another added bonus for uh, patrons. We do get um, listeners every now and then requesting uh, some movies that we do on the show. But I feel like we're going to leave that patrons. If only. you're a patron, yeah. we'll be more inclined to get yeah, to it. Definitely. So thank you so much. Patrons, we would also love it if you would rate and review. Give us five stars. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We'd uh, like for you to follow us on social media. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at MTMUG Pod. Yes, indeed. Like and share and do all that fun stuff on. Any and all social media platforms. My name is Pete and I am on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. And I'm Scott Youngbauer. I am Scott Youngballer on Instagram, Oscar Scott on Twitter, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterboxd. Yes, indeed. See what I'm watching. Yeah, see what we're both watching. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been a really fun episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.